Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for being here. And I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I should have um, practiced this beforehand, but it's Pogue, right? Yes, it is. Good job. Oh, great, great. Perfect. Perfect. So today I have Lindsay Pogue, author with me. And dystopian definitely dystopian genre any other genres you're in your crossover yeah I'm kind of uh I kind of hug a few different lines so um I started off writing post-apocalyptic um survival stuff and with kind of a flair of uh I would say a little more sci-fi in that it's not just like surviving at the end of the world because when it was a series that I had written with someone else and it started with um some gen genetic mutations so there's a little bit of like the stand Stephen King's the stand meets fire starter with some fire abilities mm -hmm. and stuff so oh, um but yeah I started out writing uh, post-apocalyptic and I my passion is writing things with history so I I tend to find myself writing a lot more dystopian lately because I can take parts of society and kind of twist them and you know so that's kind of where I've been doing a lot of like historical fantasy and dystopian stuff lately so oh interesting I'm yeah. interested to hear so post-apocalyptic what was their world like and what well first tell us what that series is the name of it so we can make sure and find it and then a little yeah. more about that so for the post-apocalyptic stuff, um, at least what I initially started writing, uh, it's it was in what well, I call the ending world. Uh, it was a series that my flagship series that I wrote with another Lindsay. <laughs> it's very confusing. <laughs> we called ourselves Team Lindsay. It was just easier. Um, but anyways, we wrote the ending series and it was a post-apocalyptic story about these two women who um, they're in their 20s both in college on the opposite sides of the united states and it's funny because it actually started out as a like a blog project that we were doing it was never going to be a book like we never sat down and we we're like let's be authors and write a book together um it was really just us having fun we both worked at a bookstore and so we we're just surrounded by stories and book covers and you know you kind of get high on that sometimes <laughs> so it's like we're like oh let's do a fun writing project too and so uh like i said we sat down and we came up with this whole this whole post-apocalyptic like if if a virus spread and um it was you know genetically altered like what could it do to people and it was these two women who were on the opposite sides of the united states and they were trying to stay in communication and then we realized you know it kind of sucks because if the world ends like you're not gonna really have you know ways of communicating for very long and so then we we're like oh well we want it to be more of a story than just you know emails and text messages that will be obsolete at some point so anyways, then we started turning into an actual story in a book. So it turned into an actual series and that was about 10 years ago. And so from there, I really, I wrote a lot more in that world. So uh, the Savage North Chronicles is what I'm mostly known for. And that's uh, like a, a series within that world uh, takes place in Alaska and Canada. And it's essentially these 
people who um, they're all survivors. They survived the fever, um, but they kind of woke up into this crazy world where nothing like people are going crazy or everyone's dead. Like they're survivors in general are scarce and half of them are, you know, not, not safe to be around. So anyways, we just kind of have this band of survivors. Uh, we have some kids and um, some adults and, um, they are all strangers and they all have to figure out how to survive and rely on each other in the middle of the Arctic. Um, so it was really challenging to write that, but that's probably my, it's my longest series so far. And it's my most popular, I think, because each book follows a different character in that, you know, of those survivors. And so I think readers get pretty attached to them, but anyways, the first book in that is free. So I guess if anybody's interested, it's called the darkest winter and uh, it's probably the grittiest, most, uh, action-packed one um and then from then on they kind of go into like settling into the new world and all the other things they never thought they had to think about in surviving after like the initial you know collapsing society and stuff like that so and surviving the winter I really like to pit my characters against something <laughs> other than just people I absolutely love writing about the um like ravaging weather situations and stuff so you'll find that a lot in a lot of the adventures that I write so um, yeah. And then from there, I um, I wrote the Forgotten Land series, which is also post-apocalyptic, or at least it was supposed to be. Um, it was more alternative history. And so, but as I write more in that world, um, I'm on book six in that world. Um, it's turning more and more into more of just like a historical kind of fantasy twist. So, because there's a lot of different cultures that are involved. So then you start getting back into like alternative history you can go so many different ways you know like I'm writing Vikings and pirates right now and um before that it was like more western um uh with like yeah like band bands of in clans of people like kind of fighting or you know trying to survive in the desert where if there, there's sandstorms they have to have like special masks and stuff so it's cool so every story that I go to again like I said it's all survive it's all different types of survival um, I think it's just like the genre itself kind of changes as far as like what niche does it go into? Is it more dystopian or is it more historical fantasy or is it more contemporary and there's a virus and you have to survive? But yeah, I definitely throw in as many curveballs as I can that aren't necessarily human, human inflicted. So <laughs> well, that definitely does give your characters a challenge, but mm -hmm. Do you do a lot of research to figure out how to get them out of these challenges and what it would be like to be in them? Yeah, you know, I hear all these authors are like, oh, I could write a book in, you know, however many months or whatever. And I could write, I could write a rough draft in that. But I feel like I'm always slogging through the first draft because I do so much research. And it's kind of a tricky line, right? Because I don't want to write a historical fiction in that I don't want someone to be like, oh, well, all of like this isn't exactly how it happened that's why I'm trying to be really careful because I, I want to write things that I can take liberties with so that's why I, I try not to ever market it as like historical fiction or anything like that um but yeah it I do I do a lot of research and you know what the crazy thing is is when you're researching history and you're trying to tie it in at least for me I have found that um fact is so much crazier than fiction so you can find so many things to build and include in a world or change it however you want you know like I just wrote um the city of ruin city of ruin is like a gothic 
dystopian Beauty and the Beast retelling. It's like Jane Eyre meets Beauty and the Beast. And I did so much research on industrial, like Victorian England to write that because that's kind of the setting that I was going for. And I mean, there were just so many crazy, horrible things that happened in the city of London during that time to people and all these. So it was like, and all these really cool things that were being invented too, or they started to do underground, you know, they started to do underground transportation and the cities were booming with things like booming with so many people. And there was so much going on that there was, and there were so much sick people that they had to have special death trains to like take dead bodies. I mean, there's just so much stuff that like, is real life that I could like put into these crazy stories and they're like oh my god that's so cool and like it actually happened that's the crazy part wow so, that's why I, I think I kind of have this like a crazy giddy addiction to history because I just think it's so fascinating so that is very fascinating I haven't studied that time period very much yeah. other I studied that time period a little bit but only in relation to like dating rituals so I didn't get much past that for one of my books but, yeah but I mean it's just fun and and I think you know you also have to have like I, that was what my major was I got my master's in history and culture so for me I clearly have <laughs> I have it in my blood to be interested in those things I know that's not what it's like for other people but a thing for me I mean it takes me a while to get a story out because I try and figure out what would people really eat if they had to survive in this world like what are the actual berries that grow there or whatever you know what I mean how would I tell that you know what's poisonous versus what isn't or now if I've retained any of the information is a completely different question <laughs> because I did so much research for the darkest winter to figure out how to survive in the Arctic with like nothing. And I, could I ever do it on my own? Absolutely not. But <laughs> I feel like I was in it for months trying to like get it all down and make sure that it was mostly logical, you know? So I just, well, if you go in one of those reality series and you can only take five things, make sure to take your own book. Right? That's actually a really good point. <laughs> That's actually really funny. I could, I could help for sure. So <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm kind of all over the place with everything, but um, I just have to go, I guess, where where my brain takes me, which you can probably relate because it's not like you can just shut things off. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely for my historical fiction, fantasies, dystopian books, I do a lot of that research and I can get really far into that rabbit hole of research and I'm like, okay, yeah. come back. It doesn't have to be that exact or that. yeah. 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 Well, and it's also hard because I don't know if you've come across this or not, but the closer that you make it to real life too, the easier it is to offend people. So it's really hard to like, and I'm not saying that's being insensitive. It's like kind of just what it is, you know? So it's like the closer, and I've learned that in my writing. So I really try and not do exact when it comes to cultures and that sort of thing I've really had to learn to make it my own like maybe get ideas or whatever but really make it my own because I don't want to take too many liberties and then you know be offensive in any way so that's a whole other that's a whole other like line to toddle there but very cool yeah. and so it sounds like you've been writing for about 10 years since your first series with yeah team Lindsay <laughs> I know yeah um we actually are still writing together too off and on so in the same world it's like just natural now um but yeah we both went our own way but we've been writing ever since so yeah about 10 years I think it's gonna be 10 years in November so that's exciting that's crazy. 
Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. How long have you been writing? I have been right. Well, I've been published since 2015. So okay. seven years. It took me like eight years to get my first manuscript to do anything with it. And, you know, I was pushed by several people several times. And then I was finally like, okay, maybe I'll try something. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. But how did it work to write with someone else? I've never done that before. Did you write like different chapters or you did you edit each other's work or how did that work? So um, it's funny that you asked that because as we're working on a new project right now, we sit down to figure it out, like the logistics. I'm like, wait, how do we do this every time? Why is this so confusing? <laughs> um, okay, so what we do generally is we do have two different um, POVs. So um, essentially what happens is we will outline everything by chapter. In this case, you kind of have to, right. When you work with somebody, even if you're like, I always outline, but sometimes it's more loose than other times. Like when we do it together, like we need it to be really honed in because it's just, that's what we have to both work off of. So we'll, we'll go ahead and we will get the outline, um, fixed and all that ready to go. And then we kind of just dive in. So, if I have the first chapter, then I start. And essentially, if none of our chapters, let's say the first seven chapters have nothing to do with each other, then we'll just write them. Um, but as soon as our chapters start kind of meshing together in any way, we need, we always, um, we wait for, like, if, if I'm writing a chapter, then she's next, she'll read mine and then write, and then I'll read hers and write my next one, that sort of thing. So it kind of changes based on what our needs are, but in general... Um, that's pretty much how it goes. And then, yeah, it right now we're in the revision or we're doing our, our big read through. Cause like we've read through our own chapters. Now we we're starting to do our read through for this new book. Um, <laughs> we're starting to do our read through. We were trying to figure out like, so we, we put all of our, even though we've read them separately, cause we use like Google docs or whatever. And so we can go in and read each other's stuff, but now we have it all together. So now it's all more concise. So now we're going to start at the beginning and read through it. But then we're like, okay, so I'm going to go through and I'm going to leave all the comments that I, or changes or whatever throughout. And then she's going to go through and do all the same thing at the same time. So it gets a little tricky sometimes. Cause then you, when, when we're done, we have to like figure out <laughs> how to clean that mess up. Yeah. But then, but then uh, that's when we send it to betas and we let them tell us how much we screwed it up in the process. <laughs> and we'll hopefully it'll go from there. But overall, I think it's really fun writing with someone. I don't do it obviously all the time, but um, it's really nice to kind of get out of your own head. You know, I, 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 I don't know if you, I've never considered writing with somebody, but I think there's something in it where it's like you, it, it kind of puts a spark of fun back into it because you can brainstorm and you can have your successes together and celebrate together and all that, you know, it's not just like you in your own head. If you have a plot hole, you have to figure it out yourself, you know, <laughs> like you can with somebody else, you can kind of like bouncy ideas off. And so that's, that's kind of a nice refreshing aspect to it for sure. Um, yeah. it, there are definitely issues that go into it. Um, you know, working together, we've really, especially over the last 10 years, we, we've had to really kind of figure out like how we work best together and like manage expectations and stuff like that. But in general, um, yeah, it's, if you have a, if you have a writing partner that you trust and somebody that you work well with, then it could be a really fun thing. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I just released an illustrated novel, which is the first time I had done that. And 
I wanted the illustrator to have some say in the storyline. And so we worked together a little bit and that was really fun, but it's also really nervous for me to put my stuff out there and wait. And I do that with beta readers, but it was kind of different this time when I felt like I was being judged a little bit more and, but it was good because there was one part that I, I, had in there but I didn't love but I didn't know how to fix it and right they were able to help me fix it so at least you have that a little bit of a person who understands the story and gets the story and um had some skin in the game of the story that can yep. help you like work through that yeah yeah that's yeah that's really cool so an illustrated novel or is there so how are you are are the, is there how does that work is it kind of like a graphic novel it's not a graphic novel. We have, oh, I could show you it to you. It's like way over there. Um, so we, he did like 10 illustrations. So they're not. Like, oh, got it. Okay. So it's about 45,000 words and he did 10 illustrations. So it's really at the major story points that he does the illustrations and he made a couple of maps. And then so the cool, though. Back, he, he started with like hand-drawn sketches to create these illustrations. So in the back, we put like the original hand-drawn sketches and how, you know, so you could kind of see the progress of how the illustrations went. So it was a lot of fun. And I think, you know, for people who are interested in writing or in art, right, are maybe like interested in seeing how that process came about. So. Yeah, that's really neat. That's a really fun idea. Thanks. Yeah, I, it wasn't my idea. I can claim it because I met him online in like a group meetup and I was attracted to his art. And he was attracted to my stories and we started talking and we were trying to figure out how to do something together. And I was thinking, oh, a bookmark or a coloring sheet. I was thinking little project, right? And he's like, we could write a book together. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> like, what, so, what kind of book is it? Yeah, I'll get it and show it yeah. to you. That was weird, but okay. <laughs> so it's... um. So it's called Azrea, Aztec. Oh wow! So it's a mythology book, and she's she's not a mythological creature, but she's supposedly marked by the gods, and she's supposedly everyone in her family thinks she's cursed, so they send her away to a shaman who's supposed to train her and keep her from becoming dangerous. But this shaman takes advantage of her, and she has to figure that out and how to get away from him and how to, uh, and then she has this premonition she has clairvoyant power so she has this premonition she has to decide what to do with that so she's a little bit of a hero character so it turned out really good so yeah he did like this illustration for the cover and then um I can show you one more so like this one when um her parents leave her with the shaman oh wow yeah yeah we did a lot of research to set it in like the Aztec empire so it was fun yeah that is so cool yeah I I know you had me on Aztec Empire and history. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. That would be the history buff. I could send you the link to all those websites. That is that so use. cool. Interestingly enough, there's this United Kingdom website all about um, the Mayans and the Aztecs, like such detailed historical like artifacts and um, just experts chiming in all over the place with that's neat information about their culture so it was very cool so I can point you there if you need to go. yeah no I'm always I'm always open to all of that because I you should see how giddy I get when my National Geographic um 
magazine comes for the history because I have the history uh, subscription. So it's straight up just all every every single issue is all history related. And I just like everyone gets excited when they get like some some shows come like certainly it's available for binging. And I'm like, oh, my Nat Geo history magazine arrived. It's like Teen Beat when I was a little kid. So I have a question. Have you found that your dystopian books have not been as popular since we've been sort of living in a dystopian, what we would have thought was a dystopian world? Have you found that at all? Or has anybody like mentioned that they can't do that right now? Yeah, um, it's hard. As far as, I can't really tell if less people are reading my stuff or not because I, um, I went wide about a year ago instead of being in KU, uh, Kindle Unlimited. So I, a lot of transition was happening for me during all that. Um, but I can tell you <laughs> that I did when I was running ads, there was a lot of people who were commenting like, why would you um, like, or it's like, no, this is, you know, not for me right now. Or, oh, this sounds great. But there were some people who said, you know, this is a little too real. But there was even some people that, um, not a lot, and I didn't take offense because people don't know, but like there were even some people like, why would you write this and like capitalize on what's going on right now? And I'm like, this is been, this story has been out for like four years. So, yeah. you know, it just is what it is. So yeah, I mean, I've definitely had pe like things been have been said or um, I have had some people say, mostly though, what I've heard people say is that they've taken breaks from reading because, or from social media in general. Um, just because I think me, I don't know, for me, I feel like I've been reading more, but I think it just depends on what, maybe what you read too. It's like, I don't actually read, I like uh historical fantasy, but I actually don't read a lot of dystopian or post-apocalyptic stuff. I really want to, I really like the stuff that has the history in it and the adventure aspect, you know? So Funny. yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question though. Cause I have wondered, um, I don't know how it's been for other authors either, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I you? do have a dystopian series that I have not continued that I need to get back to. It was eerily predictive because I released the first book in 2019 and it was about a worldwide pandemic and they had even blamed it on the Chinese. So the next year yeah. when, when 2020 happened and the next book was supposed to come out I just let it come out because I was like what am I going to do sit on this for two years right yeah um, and it's really not they're not in that blue world their parents send them away to a camp um so that they don't get sick and but turns out that her sister gets sick and that's sort of the the first plot line that she has to figure out how to help her sister um but even me, I don't want to go back. I don't, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not yeah. going there. We're just putting that on the shelf for now. We're going to figure out how to fix that, like, maybe in a couple of years from now. Yeah, I've had readers ask me um, if it's weird to have written a story. Because, you know, I mean, it's, we. I did also did, I did research for pandemic stuff, too, when I was writing it. Um, and so, like, a lot of it is a lot of things that you know, we've probably a lot of us have experience with like hospital situations or the, everyone wearing masks or whatever it is. So I have had some readers ask me, you know, is it strange for me to have written something that was so eerily kind of like what you were saying, very eerily possible and predictive. Uh, and it is. But um, I first thing I think of when they say that is 
now I'm learning some of the things I would have written differently having been through it, right? Like right. I would have had them wear masks way differently or way longer or whatever, you know, like there's just all these things that I would have changed or tweaked a little bit having been in it, but there would have been, yeah. you know, shortage of toilet paper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of felt that way too, but because my characters weren't like living with the virus and mm-hmm. um, the country that they're in, very quickly comes up with a cure and a vaccine and so um they're pretty much in the clear and the plot line is more about like that country doesn't want to share the vaccine with the rest of the world Mm. scarcity yeah yeah scarcity yeah interesting i've had some i've had a few uh readers also message me saying oh well i have covid do you think i'll get an ability because that's what we call them in my series when they start (laughs) changing like I hope I get a good one (laughs) at least make it worth it I was laughing well if you have a virus that causes abilities that's more outside the realm of what could actually happen probably than yeah more into the unrealistic realm and gets you out of what's really going on in real life Yeah. yeah yeah so anyway but yeah, so uh, I think that's the only series, though, that honestly, the Savage North Chronicles and well, anything really in um, that we've written so far in the ending world. But it's I think that's really all that I've written. It's like hardcore could be post-apocalyptic. Everything else is kind of more dystopian after that, because I again, I try and set it in an era that's not like now, you know, so um that's where that whole alternative history question mark comes in and historical fantasy. So fun, fun. Yeah. I just had a question on the top of my head and now I went, Oh yeah. So you told me about, um, I guess the ending series, the ending, did you call it the ending series where you did mm-hmm. like multiple points of view and there was it first person, I'm guessing first person point of view. Mm-hmm. And do you write first person for all your books or do you change that up? Uh, I do. So I do. I always have written third person. It's funny. I mean, first person. It's funny because I read, you know, first and third person. Um, I don't have a really have a preference, but I only write first person. However, I do, depending on what feels right, I will switch between like present and past, um, you know? So like the ending series or Savage North Chronicles, that is um, first person past tense and then the stories that I'm working on now for my forgotten lands world those are all first person present tense so um yeah I think I just tend to write based on what the urgency feels like you know um I don't know I don't know how I I, somebody um asked me that the other day and I didn't know how to answer it either like I don't know how I choose it it just whatever feels right and I don't know how I determine that (laughs) (laughs) this is this yeah, a lot of fantasy writers do write in that third person, but I, I write in first person as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I have noticed that actually, now that you say that, now that you say that for sure. I'm actually reading a book right now. I don't know. Do you ever, have you read any Adrienne Young books? Um, I, She did like Sky in the Deep um, and she does, um, she does a bunch of things, but uh, she has two Viking books that I've read. I'm reading the second one right now. And she does this interesting thing in the one I'm reading now called the girl I think it's called the girl the sea sea gave back but anyway it's also has like a lot of Norse mythology in there but she does something interesting which I actually am finding a little confusing but I have seen other authors do this before where she has two POVs and she writes the male and the female and they are 
in first person, but within their chapters, their voice transitions to third person whenever they're reflecting on memories. So, and then it goes back to first person when they're not. So it's really interesting. I probably wouldn't write a book that way, but it's something that I feel like I've seen a, a couple other authors do. And so I'm, I don't think, I mean, I, I, that's too much for my brain to try and process trying to write that, but it's just really interesting. Yeah. How I think it, it just must've felt right for her, you know, reflect. So they're think they're thinking about something that happened in the past to themselves, right. Or is it to some other people? No, it's like to the reader. Um, yeah, it's funny because the other the first book in the series isn't like that. That's why it was so it's so jarring. But um, yeah, so it's like they'll be sitting there and, and um, I think her name's Tor or whatever. She'll be talking about how you know I'm watching the, I watch the hawk in the sky, blah blah. blah. And then um, I I'm trying to think if there's a transition at all or just a pause. But then she goes. It'll go into you know um, three years ago. I, she was sitting by the pond and she was thinking about you know what I mean it, it's oh, it's huh. it's so strange it's so strange but again that goes back to I guess whatever feels right when you're writing a story that must have felt right to her so I don't know yeah I'll have to look that up I have heard her name before but I haven't read her book yet so yeah I really she's a beautiful writer um but yeah just that was I'm listening to it right now on like uh, the audiobook so that's why it was fresh in my mind this whole perspective thing I was sitting there thinking about that I was like oh my gosh that's really hurting my brain trying to yeah. <laughs> yeah I was trying to challenge myself and I just wrote a short story in an anthology that was third person so I thought well I'll just challenge myself with a short story and it won't feel so and I don't know why I even think I need to do it which really makes no sense because I I don't know why I thought I needed to do it. But then after doing it for my short story, I'm like, oh, I'm still good where I am. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm actually, it's really messing with my head because I was telling you before that I have a few deadlines at once. And so I'm I'm revising a couple manuscripts and writing a whole new one. And some, <laughs> the one I'm working with Lindsay on is first person, past tense. Everything else I'm working on is present tense. So trying to remember that as I'm it's really screwing with my head I don't know why I did this to myself <laughs> but yeah oh gosh I don't know yeah I have trouble when I did when I started a new series and I was doing first person present versus first person past I was continually yeah. messing it's like you have to retrain your brain to think yes and your editor's like whoa what just happened here yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I I keep trying to catch myself and then Lindsay, the other Lindsay, she'll be like, yeah, I kind of stopped pointing them out. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'll catch them when I do a read-through. <laughs> yeah, well, tell us what you're working on now then, what you have coming up. So I have, um, so what I've been working on with um, Lindsay for the, in the ending series world is a little more historical fantasy because this takes place in the world we created but 300 years in the future. So it's, it's like, um, now that people have abilities, um, and it's kind of like in the fantasy world, it would be like compared to having your own magic system or something, you know, even though it was genetically enhanced that way. But, um, anyways, it takes place 300 years in the future back when you, you're back to essentially like kingdoms and because 
because the world, because you don't have to rely on technology and all these things, everyone has abilities. It's more of a rural situation than like big cities that like have cars and, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, but it's very much, it, it feels very historical fantasy with like castles and, you know, cl- the clothing and stuff like that. But anyways, that's called the, um, the Raven Queen. It's the first book in the three book series. And um, it takes place, um, like I said, 300 years after the series we already wrote. So it's been fun to see where that world would be now that we, you know, because we wrote it 10 years ago. So like, oh, we can start playing with what 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 happens in 300 years to all these people who, you know, what who survives and how do they change and that sort of thing. So we have started out obviously with a whole new group of characters and we've been able to explore that, which is really fun. And then um, I'm also working on in my uh, Forgotten Land series or my Forgotten Worlds. Uh, it's confusing. Sorry. I'm writing a series called The Ruined Lands and it is it takes place in my Forgotten Lands world. So it's it's very much um, alternative history and historical fantasy. And I was saying that I was writing Vikings and Pirates, which I am. So Sea of Storms. Um comes out in November and it is very it's it's essentially a Norse fairy tale of sorts it's a retelling so it's a lot of Norse mythology um and there's a shipwreck and there's a horrible sea captain who you know the stowaway falls in love with and anyways it's lots of adventure um it's really fun and then um the other one that I'm writing is Land of Fury which is in the same world and it's also connected to the story and it takes place in what I call Norse land which is this frozen winter land that um viking it, it's essentially like a nor in norway but you know in this alternative history and um yeah so they have to there's a horrible queen and the princess is trying to get away and she hears about this ship that can take her to a free country so overseas and so the huntsman comes after her and his seven horsemen. So it's very much like a retelling of Snow White and the Huntsman. So it's, yeah, it's all super fun. And like I said, I'm able, because I'm putting it in these sort of realistic places that have existed, I've been able to get a little like actual culture in there and stuff, which is fun. So yeah, um, I'm all over the place, like I said. (laughs) everything sounds super fun and I already have you on my reading list so I'm gonna get one day (laughs) yeah thanks that is yeah well tell everyone where you can find you your website your social media yeah so uh lindsaypogue.com um and I you can get everything on there pretty much I am on I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm author Lindsay Pogue pretty much everywhere. So uh, again, all the links and everything are on my website. Uh, I have my own direct store, which there's some, um, you can get some things cheaper there. You can all get all that on um, my website too. And yeah, that's kind of me. Um, I do have a podcast that uh, I should have you on one of these times. We just talk about um we just talk about it's called no shelf control books booze and banter and me and Lindsay, we get together and we talk about book to film adaptations and have a cocktail or whatever and just like or read a, a book that's going crazy on book talk and then really you know say if it's worth the hype and stuff anyway it's fun so well that sounds like a lot can... of fun i would love that because me and book to film are, are right there so <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so anyways um so i do that too sometimes so anyway that's me
Well, thank you for being here. I so thank you for having me. This is really fun. It I'm usually fun. the one doing on the other side. So it's nice to come and talk to somebody else. And if I ever need history stuff, I'm coming to you. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Take care. <laughs> thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Trisha Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic. <laughs>